how do you know that you have received a word from God? How do you know that you have a word of prophecy? It's moved. When you're moved by the Holy Spirit. When you're moved so much by the Holy Spirit, you just close your eyes. You just want to shut off the world so that you will not be distracted. And that you receive the totality of his word. And that you are able to deliver it as it's given to you. The move of the Holy Spirit. Amen. That's what's so, so very powerful. And that's what's so, so important in our lives. To know the grace of God in truth. To know the grace of God in truth. This is number one. Now, two very important ingredients in our lives, without which nothing works. Two vital ingredients in our lives. Number one, the governance. The governance of God. It's just like in the natural, you have the governance of your government. The world runs by, you know, a republic, a democracy, or dictatorship. That's governance. So as Christians, we need to understand the governance of our Lord. And uh, we'll be able to experience the governance of the Lord Jesus Christ in a great measure during the millennium. And another very important word, very important ingredient in your life is the word atmosphere. What's the atmosphere or the spirit that you carry? So we'll expand that another time because this was given to me just now. If I can ask you to look at Exodus chapter 19 verse 4. Exodus chapter 19 verse 4. We are are understanding and knowing the grace of God in truth. To know the grace of God in truth. That's what the Holy Spirit wants us to get into. If you look at Exodus chapter 19 verse 4. This is God speaking. He was talking to the Israelites. He was saying, you have seen what I did unto the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you unto myself. How I bear you on eagles' wings. I want you to highlight that. How I bear you on eagles' wings. So we were born on eagles' wings. That's how we were saved by grace. That's how we were delivered from captivity. So we're talking about grace. We are talking about being carried by eagle's wings. We're talking about being carried by the eagle's wings. Being carried by the wind of the spirit. Being carried by the river of life. Being anointed with the cloven tongues of fire. Being anointed with the holy oil of God. When we talk about grace, we're talking about the presence of a power upon you. We're talking about the presence of a power upon your life, a power that is greater than you. And as Christians, we know that that power is the Holy Spirit, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Grace is very, very important. Grace is very, very powerful. Without grace, nothing works in our lives. 
If you look at Psalm 1 verse 3, Psalm 1 verse 3, the first psalm written by David, given to him by the Holy Spirit. That's why it's in the book of Psalms, David said that my tongue is like the pen of a ready writer. If you look at Psalm 1 verse 3, the last line of that psalm, whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. So what prospers us is the grace. What prospers Christians is the grace. The grace to prosper like David. The grace to rebuild kings like the prophet Elijah. Remember, Elijah had to stand before Ahab and before Jezebel to rebuke them. Without the grace that's upon the prophet, he would not have the courage nor the boldness to stand before kings. What about Nathan? He stood before David to rebuke him. Nathan was the one who said, you are the man. That's Nathan. How did he do that? By the grace. The grace that came upon him as a prophet of God. The grace to rule. How did David rule? The grace to, the grace to rule came upon David as a king. The grace to rule came upon Solomon as the king. The grace to minister as a priest came upon Aaron. The grace to minister as a judge came upon Samuel. The grace to fight Goliath came upon David. The grace to kill the Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey came upon Samson. The grace to shake off a poisonous serpent from his hand came upon Paul. The grace to cast out devils, to heal the sick, to multiply the bread and the fish, to set the captives free came upon Jesus. If you look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 9, 2 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 9. He said unto me, my grace is sufficient for you. That means when you have grace, you have every need met in your life. When you have grace, there will be no lack in your life. For my strength is made perfect. When you have grace, you have perfection. Grace is all-encompassing. Grace is the perfection of God that comes upon you for governance, that comes upon you for your atmosphere. And that's why the Apostle Paul, he said, Most gladly, therefore will I rather glory in my infirmities. I glory in my weaknesses. I glory in my insufficiencies that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Grace.
This is the power of God that rests upon somebody who is dependent on him. Grace is the mantle of God that rests upon a person who looks up to God. The devil's cheap copy of grace, to help us to understand that, the devil's cheap copy of grace is luck. It's what the Chinese call feng shui. It's what the Japanese call sen. That's the devil's cheap copy of grace. They try to give you a cheap copy of grace, which is superstition. The world's counterfeit of grace is good looks and talents. Good looks and talents which distinguish a person and yet take them, take that person into the traps of the devil. If you look at Colossians chapter 1 verse 6, Colossians chapter 1 verse 6, the King James. Now I did try to use other more uh, modern versions, but sorry, every time I have to go back to King James. So Colossians chapter 1 verse 6 And I want you to look at the last line of this verse and read it together with me. One, two, three. And knew the grace of God in truth. It is the heart of God. It is the will of God for us to know the grace of God in reality. In reality. As a Christian, COVID is not as real to me as the millennium. The natural death of a person is not as real to me as the eternal life in heaven. How do I do that? By grace. By grace. And that's why we are told in this scripture... To know the grace of God in reality, in your everyday living, everyday living, practical everyday living. And with the reality and with the revelation of grace, then our lives will become fruitful, joyful, successful, fulfilling. You'll be able to know God's will for your life, God's calling on you. You'll be able to follow him and to be led and to be guided by him at all times. That's how powerful grace is. The opposite of grace is toiling, struggling. Toiling and struggling to make things happen. With one's effort and hard work. That's the opposite of grace. Toiling, struggling, with effort, with hard work. Trying to birth something in the flesh. Trying to make something happen in the flesh. Now there are forces that we need to know that will stop the working of grace in our lives. There are forces that will stop God's grace from working in your life. What are they? Task, obsession. When we become very task-oriented, when we are very obsessed with tasks, 
So much so that you can't enter into the grace. Tasks driving you, talking to you all the time, possessing you. Tasks distracting you from the leading of the Holy Spirit. Another force that can stop the working of grace in our lives would be when we are merit-minded. Merit. The world runs by meritocracy. Meritocracy means what do you deserve? Your talents will give you the position that you deserve. Your efforts will give you the position that you deserve. Your works will give you the money that you deserve. Meritocracy is the exact opposite of grace. God's governance is by grace. A lack of affectionate worship will also stop God's grace from moving in your life. When you're into a task, you will lose the affection. You will lose the warmth. Coming to God becomes a duty, becomes a chore. You're affectionate. Your worship lacks affection. Your worship lacks affection because you are so concerned about the skills and the technicality. What are the forces that will stop God's grace from manifesting in our lives when, we, when you are stingy? Being stingy is the opposite of being gracious. How can I be gracious? Because I've got grace moving in my life. Always living by strife, criticizing, judging somebody. When you're observing somebody, a critical spirit comes to you. A judgmental spirit talks to you right away. That will also stop the working of grace in your life. A foul tongue, a tongue that complains and grumbles all the time, will also stop the grace of God in our life. Last but not least, pride. Thinking that you're much better than anybody else, thinking that you're always right, will stop God's grace from manifesting in your life. So are you telling me that, Pastor Dora, that I don't need to do anything? No. What did the Apostle Paul, what did he say? He said, I am who I am by the grace of God. He said, the grace that came upon me caused me to work more diligently than before. So when we talk about work, we're talking about working with and working by grace. And not being independent of grace, not being ignorant of grace, and certainly not coming against grace. If you look at Ecclesiastes chapter 10 verse 10, Ecclesiastes chapter 10 verse 10. Now please know that I'm still just laying the foundation. Ecclesiastes chapter 10 verse 10. Again, the last line, the last line of that verse. Can we read that together? One, two, three. Wisdom is profitable to direct. 
Wisdom is profitable to direct. You can only find this in King James. You know, some other versions will give you something different. And that's why, you know, always I go back to King James. Wisdom is profitable to direct. Because when I read King James, my heart is lifted up. The movement comes. I always, you know, how do I know that God is leading me? It's when my heart is lifted up. There's a motion. There is a movement. It's not stagnant. Wisdom is profitable to direct. How do I know that the Holy Spirit is leading me? I look around and I see profit. I look around and I see profit. I look at myself and I see promotion. I look at myself and I'm going higher with God. I look at myself, my mind is clearer. I look at myself, I can enter into the presence of God quicker, a lot easier. Wisdom is profitable to direct. I've heard other explanations, other people saying that wisdom is knowledge applied. No. The application of knowledge is not wisdom. What is wisdom? Wisdom is God's way of doing things. When you get into God's way of doing things, you are into wisdom. When you're doing things God's way, you're into wisdom. And wisdom will always lend you in the area of profit. Wisdom will always bring you profit. Profitable for your spirit, for your soul, for your body, for your finances, for your environment. That's how you know that wisdom is leading you. When we talk about grace, we are talking about one of the ways of God. When we talk about grace, we're talking about one of the ways of God. So when you get into the wisdom of grace, remember just now what did we say? Wisdom is the ways of God. So when you get into grace, you're getting into one of the ways of God. You get into the wisdom of grace, definitely you will be directed to profit. When you have grace, your family starts to prosper. The finances of your family start to prosper. The relationships in your family start to prosper. Your sons and your daughters start to prosper. And that's how you know you're moving in wisdom. Religion wants to keep God and his ways mysterious. You know, keep the truth. It's a myth. It's a myth. It's mysterious. We don't know. We don't know God. His ways are too high. Pass finding out. But God sent us Jesus so that we may know him. Isn't that right? Let me ask you a question. Does God want you to know him? One more time. Does God want you to know him? Yes. God wants us to know the truth, to live the truth. As a Christian, We are not supposed 
to be religious, emotional, and theoretical. God does not want us to be religious, emotional, and theoretical. God wants us to be practicing Christians. Can we say amen? The next point that I'm giving you is about the Bible. Now, some of you may think that you've known a lot. You've heard a lot of speak. You've heard a lot of preachers. And uh, I want to tell you that you and I, we don't know as much as we should. There's always room to grow. Can we say amen? And there's always more to know. If you want to be a powerful Christian, how do I know that you are a powerful Christian? What did Jesus say? By their fruit, you will know them. No fruit, no power. No fruit, no power. You can write a book. You can even write a two-volume book. But no fruit, no power. No fruit, no power. If all that you are depending on is the world, If all that you're depending on is your degree, your accomplishment, that's not power. That's the way of the world. The Bible is structured, prophetic, and progressive in Revelation. The Bible is structured, it's prophetic, and it's progressive in Revelation. The events are being unfolded still. God's plan for men, God's plan for the planet Earth is being unfolded now in our lives. All the events are still being unfolded. And you and I, we're heading for a biblical direction, which no one, including the non-Christians, can escape. We are all heading towards the biblical direction, which no one can turn away. If you look at the Old Testament, the Old Testament is the giving of the law by Moses. The giving of the law by the judges. The giving of sacrifices by the priests. The giving of prophecies by the prophets. Why? To keep Israel as a holy nation, consecrated and dedicated, separated unto God. Why? Because Jesus was to be born from Israel. Jesus is called the seed that had been given to Israel. And Jesus must be birthed from the tribe of Israel. After the Old Testament, we enter into the Gospels. The Gospels tell, the Gospels tell us the giving of grace and truth. Grace and truth by Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. That's the Gospels. The giving of grace, the giving of truth by Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. Then we enter into the time of the Acts and the Epistles. What's given to us? We are given the resurrection victory. 
the resurrection victory of the Lord Jesus Christ in my name. Cast out devils. Given the mentor, given the victory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? To defeat the devil. In my name, cast out devils, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, heal the sick. Freely you have received, freely give. To defeat Satan and his devils, given to the church, to the believers. And then the church will enter into the time of the book of Revelation. What's the book of the Revelation? What is it heading towards? The book of the Revelation is heading towards the taking back of the lease of the earth, which the first Adam had given to the devil. So Jesus is coming back at the battle of Amagadon to get back physically this earth. To get back the lease back to the owner. So Jesus will come with the sinks in the battle of Amagad. And after that, we will enter into the ring of Christ called the millennium on the earth. Days of heaven on earth will come to pass. Everything spiritual will manifest in the natural. And then, and then after the judgment of everything that is unclean, everything that's on the inside, even the babies will grow up during the time of the millennium. And there will be a cleansing. Everything that is unclean and wicked on the inside will be given a chance and opportunity to show on the outside and be gotten rid of and be judged. And then we'll enter into a time of a is a one, a new heaven and a new earth. That's when finally heaven and earth will come together as one. Perfect, perfect harmony between God and men. So the revelation of God is progressive in nature. It's like a crescendo. And the more you know, more will be given to you. That's how God works. He will not throw his pearls before the swine and he will put no new wine into old wineskin. That's why it is so important for our minds to be continually renewed and for our souls to be continually transformed. How many of you have got it? Okay, now we enter into the real deal for this morning to know the grace of God in truth. Now the word grace is honey in Hebrew and charis in Greek. That's where we get the word charisma. That's where we get the word charismatic. And sometimes it's translated as favor. Grace comes from truth. Let's look at John chapter 1 verse 17. Lift up your hands and say, yes, Lord, I want your grace. Grace comes in measure. So you can ask for grace and more grace and more grace. Can we say amen? 
So if you look at John chapter 1 verse 17, what did I tell you? What's the devil's counterfeit of grace? Luck. Feng Shui. Zen. What's the world's counterfeit of grace? A good look. Talents. So if you look at John chapter 1 verse 17, John 1 17, for the law was given by Moses, but come on, read this together with me. One, two, three. One more time. Grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Now I want you to look at the order. Grace and truth, which comes first? Why? Why does grace come first? When I got saved, I didn't know the truth. I was saved by grace to know the truth. Every one of us, when we got saved, we didn't have the truth. We didn't know the truth. Grace came. Grace moved us. Grace spoke to us. Grace moved us, and it's by grace that we were brought into the truth. Grace is very important and essential in our lives. Absolutely nothing works without grace. So it's important for us to go through our lives and see, is this area graced? Do I have grace in this area? Am I grace to do this? Am I grace to do this? How come God said to Abraham, listen to your wife and get rid of Ishmael and Hagar? Why? Because Ishmael was a product of the flesh. It came through struggling and striving. It's the flesh trying to produce a son. But Isaac was the promise of grace. So if you look at John 1.17, grace and truth came together. Without grace, we can do absolutely nothing. Now, how do I know that I don't have grace? Let's look at this. If we don't have grace, we have spiritual blindness. What is spiritual blindness? Pride, deception. If we don't have grace, we get into emotional sickness. What is emotional sickness? Depression, frustration, shame, guilt. If we don't have grace, we get into physical deterioration. Pain pain comes, sickness comes, demonic attacks make their way, temptations, guilt, condemnation. We cannot afford to live a life without grace. Some Christians say, well, there was no grace for the Old Testament people. No, they were wrong. The Old Testament people had grace. Adam and Eve had grace. Their nakedness was covered by the blood of the animal. God covered this nakedness. God covered the nakedness with the skin of an animal. Why? Blood was dripping. Eve received grace to conceive again after 
she had lost both Abel and Cain. I want you to look at a very tragic statement in Genesis chapter 4, verse 16. Genesis chapter 4, verse 16, a very tragic statement. Read this together with me. And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord. I'm very blessed to see a lot of people have raised their hands to the altar call. And even when I was in China, in Hong Kong, in Taiwan, you know, a lot of times I've seen people raising their hands to the altar call. And whenever I see people coming in and the word was so good and they didn't raise their hands, it reminds me of the scripture. Cain went out from the presence of the Lord. How sad. That's very sad. The absence of grace is the presence of toiling. The absence of grace is the presence of toiling. When when Cain walked away from God, he walked away from grace. What did he do? He started a kingdom of human efforts. He started a kingdom of human efforts which prides itself on the independent intelligence and efforts of men from God. He walked away from the presence of God and he started another line, the ungodly line which prides itself on his independent intelligence and efforts from God. It's called the Tower of Babel in Genesis. In Genesis chapter 11, verse 4, you don't have to go there. I'll just read it to you. In the Amplified Bible, they said, what did they say? They said, let us make a name for ourselves. Let's make a name for ourselves, the Tower of Babel. It's called the world in the New Testament. And in the book of Revelation, To be defeated and conquered is called Babylon. I'm trying to help you to understand why you need grace. And you need to understand that the world has a cheap copy. The world has a cheap copy. The world has a counterfeit. But you don't want the counterfeit. You want the genuine. What is the first mention of the word grace in the Bible? The law of the first mention is very, very important in the Bible. The law of the first mention. So the word grace was first mentioned in the book of Genesis chapter 6 verse 8. Let's go there. Genesis chapter 6 verse 8. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And this scripture starts with the word but. And thank God for the but. The whole world was drowned in the flood. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Grace delivered Noah from judgment. How many of you believe that you have been delivered from judgment by grace. Lift up your hands. For it's by grace you are saved. 
So what happened to Noah happens to us. How many of you believe that you will go in the pre-tribulation rapture before all the troubles come to the world? Put it this way, we'll be in the charter flight going to heaven. How many of you want to go by charter? (laughs) The same that happened to Noah. So grace will deliver you from judgment and grace will deliver you from any pandemic, any catastrophes, any calamities that are to come to the world. Amen. Amen. Why? Well, God saw Noah different from all the other people on the earth. And grace not only came to Noah, but came to his whole family. His entire family, his whole family was delivered from judgment, delivered from that global catastrophe. Another word that we can use is that grace distinguished Noah from the rest of the people. His case was different from all the other households. Why? Look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7. Hebrews 11, verse 7. By faith, Noah being warned of God. Who warned Noah? Come on. Who warned him? Who warned him? Can you be more specific? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Who warned him? Who warned him? The Holy Spirit. What did Jesus say to the disciples? The Holy Spirit will tell you of the things to come. That's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. How many of you want to be warned of things to come? Lift up your hands. How many of you want to know what is to come? Lift up your hands. That's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. You know, why do we worship? Why do we sing in church? It's not just to, you know, everybody warm up, you know, you feel better before you listen to a sermon. Affectionate worship brings the grace of God into your life. Affectionate worship brings, draws, attracts the Holy Ghost. The same way that you and I are attracted by love, God is attracted by your love. God is attracted by love. How do I know that I'm in love when your heart is strangely warmed? That's Wesley when he got born again. Remember Wesley? He was in Oxford. He was doing all the good things, you know, forming a holy club. But he wasn't even born again. How many of you, I don't know how many of you have heard and read about Wesley. And then what happened? And then he got into a Bible study. He got into a small group of believers. And when they started to 
to talk, when he started to read the word, when they had worship. And then what did he say? He wrote in his biography, he wrote, my heart was strangely warmed. That's when he got born again. This, this thing is real, man. It's very real. The Holy Spirit is very, very real. So the Holy Spirit, just now I asked you, how come grace comes before the truth? Who is grace? Who is the spirit of grace? The Holy Spirit. Who is the spirit of grace? The Holy Spirit. How come grace comes before the truth? Grace is the voice that speaks. Grace is the voice that speaks. You don't know the truth until it is spoken to you in your heart. The Holy Spirit is the voice of the truth. The voice always comes before the written word. That's why David said, what did he say? He did not say my mind. He said, my tongue is the pen of the ready writer. The voice that resonates on the inside of a believer. I'm giving you very something very precious this morning. Faith. Faith is a gift from God. Faith is a gift from God. It's the move of the Holy Spirit. You can work to believe. You can struggle to believe. Faith is being persuaded by the truth. It's the truth that speaks, that moves your heart. That's why grace comes before the truth. It was the grace that moved Noah with reverential fear. It was the grace that moved Noah to obey the instructions of God. To build an ark when he had never seen what an ark is like. Notice, I want to draw your attention. Noah had never seen an ark. And Noah had never seen a catastrophe. You know now we can watch TV, we can watch the news and we know what a tsunami is like. I mean even though we have never experienced one. We know what a tornado is like. By just watching TV. But when you go, to, go back to the days of Noah, he had never, he had never seen a catastrophe and he had never seen an ark. So when he was moved by grace, it's the grace that enabled him to believe in something that he had never seen how did he how did he build an ark come on let me ask you usually how how would an architect build a, a building an architect would first receive a vision isn't that right so noah first saw it he first saw it faith sees he saw it with the eye of his faith and then he started to build it so it was the grace that enabled him to believe and it's the grace that enabled him to take action. 
I want you to understand that grace comes. I want you to understand that grace comes from God and faith comes from grace. And that's why we were saved by grace through faith. Faith is not me trying to, you know, do my best and struggle and struggle to believe. If you have to struggle to believe, you haven't got faith. How many of you have got it now? Lift up your hands. Amen. And how many years did Noah preach righteousness to the people around him? How many years did it take him to build the ark? 120 years. 120 years it took him to build the ark. Well, to be honest with you, it will take the faith of God to preach for 120 years for sure. (laughs) It's not the act nor the determination of a man. (laughs) Okay? It's very important that we know. And uh, we need to understand that grace comes in measures. So first you get a little bit, and then you get a little bit more, and then you get a little bit more. Because what did Jesus say? Jesus said to him that has more will be given, and he will have in abundance. So if you don't start even with the little, even the little that you have will be taken away from you. So say to the person next to you, better start somewhere. And if you look at John chapter 1 verse 17, John 1 17, if you look at that, grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. So grace and truth, they work very closely together. Grace brings truth. Truth brings grace. Grace brings truth. Truth brings grace. Grace brings truth. Truth brings grace. And the more you have, more will be given unto you. And you will have in abundance. Can we say amen? Hallelujah. If you look at John chapter 1 verse 16. Who is the source? The Holy Spirit is the distributor who is the source for from his fullness. That's referring to the second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ. From his fullness have we all received. And I want you to highlight those three words, grace upon grace. Another translation says grace for grace. That means You have grace, and you have more 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 grace, until grace carries you. How many of you know what I'm talking about? So lift up your hands and say grace. Grace upon grace. Favor upon favor. Amen. So let's look at some of the signs that tell us that we have grace. How do I know that I have grace? Number one, we have looked at that just now. Grace delivers from judgment and from harm. That's how I know that I have grace. Grace delivers from judgment and grace delivers from harm, just like Noah. Number two, grace prospers and promotes you. Grace prospers and promotes you. 
And grace will work in your life, how? By association. That's why the Bible says, do not forsake the gathering, assembling of yourself together so you can rub on each other. The Bible says, watch those, watch their fruit before you go to them. Okay? Grace comes by association. We rub on each other for good or for bad. So we better choose the good. Can we say amen? If you look at Genesis chapter 39, Genesis 39 verse 2 to 5. Genesis 39 verse 2 to 5. Is everybody doing okay? Yeah? Okay. And the Lord was with Joseph. Who was with Joseph? We talked about just now what? Grace comes by? Grace comes by? Association. Grace comes by? Association. That's why we worship. That's why we go to the word. Remember the two words that I gave you when I first started the sermon this morning? Which were the two words? Number one, governance. Number two, atmosphere. Governance and atmosphere. How many of you have noticed that when you are with the heathens, let's say in the nightclub, the atmosphere is completely different than when you are in church? Why? The atmosphere tells you the presence of demons or the presence of angels. Remember we talked about just now, carry you with eagle's wings, the wind of the Holy Spirit, the river of life, the oil, the cloven tongues of fire. Remember, something is in the air, though we don't see it. All right. So if you look at Genesis 39, the Lord was with Joseph and that's what's most important. The Lord was with Joseph, and look at the second sentence, he was a prosperous man. So don't look around and blame the people around you and say, how come my business is not doing well? How come this is not happening? The Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man. What did David say in Psalm 1? Whatsoever he doeth prosperous. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master, what did, what did his master notice? He saw. So grace can be seen. His master saw that the Lord was with him. His master saw that the Lord was with him. This is referring to Potiphar, right? And the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. Verse 4, and Joseph found grace in the sight of Potiphar, and he served him and made him overseer over all his house and all that he had, he put into his hand. Wow. That's prosperity by association. Well, you said, but that's just Joseph. Oh, really? No. It's not just Joseph. Who else? Can you tell me? Who else? Laban. Laban also prospered by association. Who was he associated with? 
huh? Jacob. He was associated with Laban. Jacob, that's right. He was associated with Jacob. And if you look at Genesis 30, verse 27, what did Laban say? Genesis 30, verse 27, he said, I have learned by experience that the Lord hath blessed me. Come on, read that together with me. The Lord hath blessed me for your sake. Right? So important. So that's how I know. That's how you know that you have grace. You bring prosperity to a place. You become a distributor of prosperity, of grace. Because the Holy Spirit is with you. What's the third sign that you can see? Grace distinguishes you. Grace distinguishes you. Like grace distinguished Noah and his family. Grace distinguished Joseph and Jacob. Grace distinguished Moses. Grace distinguished Moses. Grace gave Moses fellowship with God. Everybody had walked, you know, in front of that bush. Everybody had seen that bush. How come Moses could see the burning bush? Because the grace that was on his life, distinguished him. And God did something special for him. God gave Moses fellowship with God, his own presence, and leadership for his people, divine guidance for all his life, separation from the world and from evil. How many of us want that? That's what grace would do for you. How many of you want that? Yes. Yes. Amen. I'm fully convinced that the angel has got a book and a, and a pen. And then he's seeing who are the ones raising their hands and tick. All right. You have what you say. <laughs> you say, Pastor Dora, you're crazy. I'm not crazy. I'm real. <laughs> How do we know that God... Uh, graced Moses or favored or distinguished Moses. If you look at Exodus 33 verse 11, the Lord spoke unto Moses, what? 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 The Lord spoke unto Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. How many of you have prayed like this? Pray. Lord, speak to me. Make me your friend. I want to see you. God spoke to Moses face to face. Who have we got on the inside of us who speaks to us all the time, individually? Come on. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. That is even closer than face to face. Amen. Let's go to Exodus 33, verse 12 to 17. Exodus 33, verse 12 to 17. Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people, 
but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. At that point, you know, he didn't know that God's going to give him Aaron. Yet you have said, I know you by name and you have found favor in my sight. This is what Moses held on to. God, you told me that you know me by name and you told me that I have found favor in your sight. It's so important that you know that. It's so, so important that you know that. Personalize this. Amen. It's so, so important that you know that. Can we continue? Hallelujah. It's so important that we know that. Now, therefore, if I have found favor or grace in your sight, what will grace give you? Look at this. Please show me now your ways. Grace will always give you ways, ways out of your problem, ways out of your captivity, ways out of your insufficiency. Ways. Show me now your ways that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. I want to know the way to know you, the way to worship you, the way into your word. Remember David who penned the book of Psalms. He said, please give me your grace that I can see wonders, wonders out of your word. It's like, how come the Bible is so boring to somebody and yet so powerful to another person? What's the difference? Come on, tell me. How come somebody who's got a theoretical degree... You know, a bachelor in, uh, what was that? Theology, a master, a PhD in theology, and yet don't know God and no miracles in their lives. But somebody who has never been to a Bible college, let me give you an example, Benny Hinn. He had never been to a Bible college. He didn't start with a Bible college. Another example, Catherine Kuhlman. What's the difference? Come on, tell me, what's the difference? Grace grace that i may know you in order to find favor in your sight consider too this nation is your people and what is god's answer god's answer is my presence will go with you and i will give you rest grace always brings rest No more struggling, no more toiling. You don't have to look at your resume. You don't have to worry about your education. Grace does not come from your good look, does not come from your qualification, does not come from your experience, does not come from your toiling. Grace is God working in your life. Amen. You you don't sound very excited. Are you excited? Are you excited? Yes. Let's look at uh, Moses. He's very, very clever. I read to you from, the, uh, from uh, Moses. Moses said to him, uh, have we got that? Verse 15. Moses said, if your presence will not go with me, please do not bring us there. No, if your presence is not going with me, I'm not going. This is where a lot of times we make mistakes. We do things without asking the grace. We do things just, you know, with our own efforts, our own initiative, our hard work. 
Moses was very clever. Remember, what is wisdom? What's the definition of wisdom? Can you tell me one more time? What's the definition of wisdom? The ways of God. The ways of God. What did Moses say? He's very clever. He said, if your presence will not go with me, please don't send me there. And continue to read that. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight? How do I know that I have your grace? How shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not in that you're going with us so that we are distinct, distinguished, I and your people from every other people on the face of the earth? Everybody can get sick, but not me. You are distinguished by grace. Everybody can get into an accident, but not me. Why? Because you are distinct, distinguished. Isn't this what Moses said? How do I know? How do I know that I have grace? Isn't it that we are distinguished from all the other people on the face of the earth? How come we don't have to go through torments? How come we're going on the chart of light? To heaven because we have been distinguished. What distinguishes you? Come on, tell me, church. Grace. So let me ask you another very important question. Should Christians suffer from inferiority? Should Christians suffer from inferiority? No. No. Can I ask you, are you better than the world or is the world better than you? Amen. Are you confident? Yes. So faith distinguishes you. That's the sign. Okay. So let me repeat the signs. How do I know that I have grace? I'm not judged with the rest of the world for sin, with death. I've been given eternal life. I've been given salvation. How do I know that I carry grace on my life? I have promotion. Everything that I do prospers. My character is changing, being transformed from glory to glory. My faith is growing from faith to faith. Number three, I have the guidance of God to walk in his ways. I have the guidance of God to correct myself. I have the guidance of God to arrange my environment. Number four, I'm separated from the world. I'm not inferior to the world. I am superior to the world. Why? Because I'm separated from the world. Number five, how do I know that I have grace? God's presence is with me. Number six, how do I know that I have grace? The grace that distinguished Distinguished Joseph, that distinguished David, that distinguished Ruth, that distinguished Esther in the sight of God is with you. When there are many applicants, your application stands out. When there are many students sitting for the exam, your exam paper stands out. When there are many students in front of the teacher, you stand out. Grace distinguishes you. When did the grace come on Ruth? Come on. She was a Gentile. And her mother-in-law said to her, why don't you go home? Why don't you? Her mother-in-law was telling her, 
to leave. How many of you know that when God is about to grace you with a favor, that's when the devil would try to talk you out of it. So the devil was using Naomi to talk her out of it, tell her to go home. But when did the grace come upon Ruth? She said, wherever you go, I will go. Your people will be my people and your God will be the God of my life. What is that? That is a marriage covenant. Even though she was a Gentile, she knew what marriage is about. Marriage is holy unto the Lord. How do I have grace in my life? It's when I don't sin against the word. How do I have grace in my life? It's when I humble myself to the word of God. And when she said that, the grace of God came upon her life. It's now her good look. It's not because she's beautiful. No, no, I don't think she's beautiful. Just like Samson. Samson wasn't strong. She was, he was skinny. It's the anointing that makes the difference. And so when she started going to the field, Boaz noticed her. Why? Because the grace that was upon her distinguished her. Shine out of her. Somebody else who is the same. Who is that? Esther. Esther, I want you to go to Esther chapter 2 verse 17 to give you the word. Esther chapter 2 verse 17. Why do I give you the word? As you read the word, grace comes upon you. That's why the Bible was written for us. Grace comes through the word. Jesus is the word of God. And the king loved Esther above all the women. And she obtained grace and favor in his sight more than all the virgins. So then he set the royal crown upon her head and made her queen instead of, Vash, instead of uh, Vashti. Above, instead. Instead, distinguished. It's the grace upon her life that distinguished her from all the other beautiful women. The same question. When did that grace come upon Esther? I know I'm challenging you this morning. I know your mind is going clack, clack, clack. <laughs> when, when did the grace come upon Esther? Come on, tell me. When she was born for such a time as this. There was a calling on her life. There's a reason why she was raised up by her uncle. She was at the right time and at the right place with the right people. For the time and the place that she was born for. Grace comes upon you when you do the calling of God. Like grace came upon Samson. Grace came upon all the Old Testament saints because of their calling. When you fulfill God's calling on your life, when you start to serve God, the grace that you've never had before will come upon you. Thank you, Jesus. And grace comes with divine guidance. How did Ruth know to go to the field of Boaz? Yes, Naomi told her 
But how did she, you know, why did she consent? Why did she say yes? The same with Esther. Because there is a divine guidance on the inside. Now, you don't do it because Pastor Dora tells you to do it. You don't do it because your parents tell you to do it. You don't do it because somebody else to do it. When it comes to grace, you do it because there's a move in your heart. The Holy Spirit moves on the inside of you. The Spirit of God moved on the inside of Esther. And she received what Mordecai said to her, that you were born for the kingdom, born into the kingdom for such a time as this. And she didn't do it by fear. She did it by faith. Faith came from grace. Grace came from a warm, affectionate relationship with God. Do you get it? And the last point, is it okay, everybody? Yes. How do I know that I have grace? You have answer prayers. Answer prayers. You don't just pray, 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 and just sending prayers to heaven, you know, and not expecting an answer. Answer prayers. Go to 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 18. 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 18. How do I know that God has called me to be an evangelist? I see people saved. My heart is drawn to souls. I'm alive when I witness. There's a movement. So if you look at 1 Samuel chapter 1 verse 18, and she said, this is Hannah, let your hand may find grace in your sight. She was praying. And she said, let me find grace in your sight. That means Answer to my prayers. Answer to my prayers. And continue to read. So the woman went her way and did eat, and her countenance was no more sad. She didn't do it herself. Grace came in. Let your handmaid find grace in your sight, and as soon as she asks, and it will be given unto you, right? Ask, and it shall be given unto you. As soon as she asked, grace boom, came in. She knew that her prayers answered. She knew that she would have a son. And she went away and she's no longer sad. The bitterness, the anger, the frustration, the sorrows, and the pain were gone. Now, I want to tell you one thing. That's what the Lord told me this morning. Sorrows and pain, they work together. All right? So do not allow yourself to get into excessive sorrows. Sorrows and pain work together, okay? And, um, okay, let's finish with this. A very important point. Psalm 45, verse 1 and 2. Psalm 45, verse 1 and 2. So what is grace? Grace is the heartfelt assurance that Hannah had that her prayers already answered. And when she had the assurance, rest came. Rest You will never have rest, not until your faith has arrived. Faith is the guest that will come in. And as soon as faith comes in, rest comes in. All right? So let's look at the the last, a very important point to finish this sermon. Psalm 45, verse 1 and 2. 
Can we read that together? One, two, three. My heart is indicting a good matter. I speak of the things which I have made touching the king. My tongue is the pen of a ready writer. You are fairer than the children of men. Grace is poured into your lips. Therefore, God has blessed you forever. Who is this referring to? Who is this referring to, church? This is referring to Jesus. This is referring to Jesus. And I want to hide like this. All right. I want you to hide. I want to see. I want to help you to see. Now, two very important uh, organs. Remember, I told you two very important organs when it comes to prayer and answer prayers. What are they? The heart and the tongue. The heart and the tongue. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. It's like... When you're angry, how many of you find it very difficult to scold somebody when you're angry? How many of you has found it? How many of you have found it very difficult to chuck a tem- temper, to say something bad, to scold someone when you're angry? No, it's very easy. Because why? You are angry. <laughs> your heart is full of anger. And when you open your mouth, <laughs> And the other side, you flip the coin. The other side of the coin is my heart is indicting a good matter. I'm thinking about the good. My heart's meditating on the goodness of the Lord, the goodness of God in my life. And I speak of the things which I've made touching my king, Jesus. My tongue, out of the abundance of my heart, my tongue is like the pen of a ready writer. What, what did his tongue say? His tongue said, you are fairer than the children of men. What did his tongue say? Grace is poured upon your lips. Grace upon the lips of Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is ministering to everybody. This is the messianic promise. This is a messianic prophecy. Grace. I I want you to understand that nothing happens without God speaking it first. And that's why it's so important to pray. That's why it's so important to pray for your family, pray for your life, pray for your business. You know, you speak and you speak. And whatever you speak from the abundance of your heart manifests happens it's not a formula it's the wisdom of god all right so you have the holy spirit anointing david the psalmist and then speaking grace is poured upon the lips of jesus jesus you are fairer than the children of men why do you think there are more than 300 prophecies on jesus in the bible because words have you spoken, 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 and spoken, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Can we say amen? Amen. Grace is poured into your lips. Therefore, God has blessed you forever. Now, the last point I want to show you is I speak, right? So the first mention of the tongue, I speak. Which one is the second mention? My tongue is the pen of a ready writer. Which one is the third mention? Grace is poured into your lips. Three times. Three times. Your tongue can hang you or 
prosper you. If you want a lot of blessings and grace upon your life, train your tongue. Use your tongue to pray, to speak, to sing, to worship, to praise, to confess the word. Can we say amen? Can we lift up our hands? Let's ask the Holy Spirit to touch our tongues with his grace. Wonderful Holy Spirit, you are the spirit of grace. And we ask that you give us, every one of us, a tongue of grace that ministers grace to the hearers. Ministers your saving grace, your miraculous healing grace, your counseling and your transforming grace, and even your financial grace to the hearers. Yes, Lord, more grace, more grace, grace upon grace, favor upon favor, more. And more, and more, and more. As we switch channel from the flesh to the Holy Spirit. How many of you are ready to switch your channel from yourself to the Holy Spirit? Stand up with me right now. I'm switching my channel to the Holy Ghost. Not myself, but the Holy Spirit. I'm switching to the channel of the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I praise you and thank you and I bless your people. I bless your people. I bless your people. I bless your people. Everyone, every one of your believers, every one of my brothers and sisters with the sound of my voice, listening to the sound of my voice. Amen. May your channels of grace be opened. Your channels of grace be opened, opened into their lives, into whatever they do, into their environments, into their situations, into their spirit, soul and body. And also I pray that may each and every one of us also be a carrier of your grace, a distributor of your grace. In the precious name of Jesus, I have prayed. Everybody say amen. Amen. Can I have